Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Hello, beer lovers and beer drinkers and those who stumbled on the dial. Uh, we are back this week after a week off here on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour and WYLK. And uh, we have a really fun show lined up this week. We're coming back with The Vengeance with the great California Brewery. We're talking with Chris, Chris Matheson. That's hard to say fast. From Almanac Beer Company later on in the show. Uh, really great uh, up-and-coming, I guess we'll say, brewery. But they've kind of already arrived with the way things have been for them. But uh, before we get into anything this week, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Matt from Massive Beer Reviews. You. And George from George, who's... Not even in the room, apparently. I don't know what he's doing. Oh, my head's somewhere else. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, uh, Backyard Billy made an attempt to reacclimate to society last week uh, during our week off when we missed for the Penn State game, but could not handle the dredges of society and retreated back into the woods, so he's not with us this week. I feel him, man. Yeah, I he totally just he came out, and there was a car that zoomed by him, and he just kind of freaked out, started screaming, and just <laughs> ran back. And couldn't in, handle In the woods, like a, <laughs> like a Northeastern PA Yeti. He, he went down to the alehouse, grabbed, grabbed some beer, and ran back into the woods. <laughs> but, uh, no, if you want to have a Billy sighting, you can head down to Backyard Ale House in Scranton. If you see a scruffy man with a beard walking around, that is Billy. Uh, don't approach him too quickly. You'll throw him off. But, uh, you know, it's always a good time down the Ale House. And, and feed him. They yeah. usually say they don't feed the bears yeah, or he, Billy's. He you appreciates that. Him, yeah, he does appreciate that. But, yeah, definitely head down the Ale House. We're there at least once a week, so it's a good time in Scranton. Definitely want to hit that one up. Uh, before we get into anything else, let's get into a little bit of beer news or some things that were going on during our off time. Uh, kind of local this week with everything going on. Uh, Trogues made an announcement that they are going to build a splinter cellar. They're going to start doing wild beers, or as you may know them, sour beers. Uh, and, you know, we've had enough breweries on discussing that, that that's something you generally want to keep separate from everything else in your brewery. Otherwise, you inadvertently have an all-sour brewery, which yeah. is not a good thing. That'll be interesting because, I mean, that's, you know, typically not what you see from Trogues. But mm-hmm. uh, it'll be nice to see what they do with that. Yeah, I, mean, I actually I already made the announcement. It, they're expected to be completely done with this in April of this year already. And their first release is going to be Wild Elf, which is a take on their Mad Elf done as a functified version. Makes sense. I mean, yeah. usually you want uh, when you're dealing with a nice uh, Belgian, I assume, sour kind of beer, you're talking about cherries. You're talking about Mad Elf already being super cherry forward. Yeah. So it just kind of makes sense. And you have something that you're getting into a new field and you're going to tap into a beer that already has a loyal following right off the bat. So great way to make an introductory to everything going on down there. And it's a really cool thing, too. If you've seen on their website, they have mock-ups of it and everything. It's beautiful. All glass windows. They have these huge 23-foot wooden fooders that they're going to be able to see in the, in the out of their windows. And really modern, beautiful, sleek look to it, too. So they're definitely going all in on this, which is a really cool thing. Now, the other uh, local thing was Three Guys in a Beard. You remember a few weeks ago, we talked about them closing their doors. Uh, they made the announcement this week that they're going to stay open due to the outpouring of love from the community. That's awesome. Which is a really cool thing. It's like, you know, that was the thing. When they made that announcement, people were very sad to see them go because they are such beloved people and everyone loves going to events and seeing them. They're just really good guys to hang out with. And uh, they made the announcement this week that they're going to hang in there because there was just this huge outpouring from the community, which also shows, you know, what this does Like when you're a brewery and you're out there in the community and you're connecting with people that you're not just brewing beer like you're a part of people and, and a part of their lives and things going on and people don't want to see that go and that really is what turned them around which is an awesome thing to see yeah northeastern pennsylvania is on the cusp of uh what's i guess exploding with breweries there's a lot of places opening and then even more coming down to shoot the, yeah. so you don't want retraction um i mean variety variety is the spice of life so Good thing that they're staying open. They got their stuff together. Hopefully, uh, everything works out for them, and they just go onward and upward. And speaking onward and upward, we'll get into some new beers. They're going to be coming out this year. Uh, The first one's a really interesting one from Dogfish Head. Now, their Noble Rot is a fairly well-known beer for them. Uh, They're doing an oak-aged version of that that's going to be in bottles coming out this year. So that'll be a very interesting one to see what flavors that imparts onto that beer. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, Ballast... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the best color man. Impress me. <laughs> uh, Ballast Point made the announcement that uh, now in cans are going to have... They've been really... Ballast Point, since everything's happened with them, I, I'm sure this was in the shoot. This was not uh, you know, because of this buyout and everything that happened that they're like, oh, we're putting all these things out. Like, they had these in the shoot. So 
I know people are reading into it when you see stuff, but they made the announcement that they are now going to have Mango Even Keel, which is their session IPA. They're going to have that coming out in cans now. They've had a slew of, of new releases coming out just in the past, like right towards the end of the year into this year. They're making all these announcements, and they're all takes on beers that they had. Yeah, I mean, like the Northeastern um, IPA thing with the super juicy fruitiness combined with their grapefruit sculpin, it's just natural to try to impart kind of fruit flavors. That's yeah. what people want in their yeah. beers, and it works so well with grapefruit sculpin. You don't, you wouldn't see why they wouldn't want to continue with that yeah. with other things. And that's where they've been going with a lot of them. And they've all been very good the way they've been going with this thing. Now, the next one. Now, if you know anything about the show, and you listen, this is one that I am really looking forward to. Uh, Terrapin announced that they're going to be doing a single origin coffee stout series. With different coffees, and the first one is going to be Ethiopian, and that's coming out within the next like month and a half, sounds like. So basically, they're just going to be making, like, I assume, like a base stout, and then do it like some companies like do like single hopped beers. They're going to be do single, single coffee beers, single origin coffees in them. Yeah, that which, should be pretty fun. Yeah, I love, and I, I'm so into that because I'm a huge coffee nerd. That would be an awesome kind of like side by side, like not vertical, but yeah. uh, like to, to test taste the, the, see if you can pick up the differences yeah. and nuances. Because that is the one thing that's really interesting. That's something we're going to be getting into too. I've been very busy in our off time as well, booking out and getting things ready for this new year, and we have a, a bevy of guests. Ooh. And uh, I got a nickel in my pocket. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of things I want to start looking at. And one of the things I want to get into at some point is getting into some coffee beers and nuances in coffee itself, because I think those things go hand in hand, because as you get into craft beer more, your palate adjusts to all these different flavors and different foods and different drinks. So it goes hand in hand with that. And it's something you don't really think about. I mean, if you... If you're a Folgers drinker, you don't care about it. Well, just, you know, I'm not being a jerk. It's just you don't because that's not what that coffee is about. You're not getting single origin. It's just kind of a singular flavor no matter yeah. what's going on. But when you get into this and break it down more, there's a lot of nuances in different coffees, which are really interesting. And if you get into that world, it's, oh, it makes morning an adventure. <laughs> Derek gets so excited when coffee beers and are oh, yeah. it's like, funny. He's like a kid in a game. Yeah. He's like, oh, we got to get that's, mad at it. That's my jam. glowing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is my thing right there. Uh, but now we're getting into our first beer here from Almanac. Now, the one thing that's really interesting with Almanac is a lot of their beers, and we'll, we'll get into this during the interview, I think, that they're farm to table and they have a huge... Uh, lineup of sour beers that they've done over time. And this is a really good one uh, called Valley of the Heart's Delight. Now, this is interesting because what they, they've done is they've taken kind of a golden sour uh, I don't have the label in front of me, so I'm trying to remember certain things. All right, let me do Here we go. They've, they've taken a sour blonde, sorry, not golden, uh, aged in wine barrels, which is the one thing that they do with a lot of their stuff, which gives these really nice drying out features to the beer. And then they've added Apricots or apricots, apricots. Whatever, you want, whatever you want to say. Uh, dates and mulberries to it, too, which is like an interesting uh, one you don't really see a lot of people toying around with. But it's just it's really nice because this is, you know, there's certain sour beers, and we've had a few on here, too, talking about it, that they have that quality of kind of being wine-like. And, yeah, that's from the wine barrels themselves, but this drying out quality and not overly sour. Yeah, they, they, they have that that mixture of being impactfully sour without being off-putting and very approachable is yeah. pretty much how all their sours go. This, like you said, it had the wine barrel going on. You had a kind of tannic-y kind of dryness from whether it be the skin of the barrel combined with all the fruitiness. Um, from the apricots. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely delicious. No, that's the one, the, the flavor that comes through. And it's interesting when you get into a lot of these, especially in the sour realm or like lambics and things like that, with the fruits being added, they tend to be heavy-handed in the fruit category, and it just comes across as a fruit beer, and I'm not fruit beer fan and too sweet but when it's done right like how this is in balance like you get those sweet fruit flavors but it's balanced like I, you still get the apricots and everything going on but it, it's balanced it's not overly sweet it still has some juicy qualities but it dries out really nicely which i love like anything that has a dry kind of cleaning up after itself is always good because you know, some flavors, when they linger too long, then they become off-putting up front on their own. The first sip it isn't really off-putting, but as it lingers on the palate, then it kind of gets to be a little bit too much and you can't really stand it anymore. Yeah, it's, it's to me, this would be exactly what I want to eat bowl, or drink bulk of the time when I have a good meal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not going to overpower anything. It's going to be, but it's going to add to the experience. It has a nice dryness, nice, tart, nice tartness. It's, it's it's very, somewhere between wild and sour. It's not fully sour, but it's more than just wild. It's just a really good beer. And it's 7% too. It still packs a little bit of a punch, but it's not, it drinks a lot lighter, definitely. Yeah. Like, you could see having this with like a salad or something. 
something like that that's not going to dominate everything too much. George, what do you think about this? I was going to say what Matt said, but uh, no, very, very refreshing. Yeah, what this guy said over here. It's, uh... <laughs> no, very refreshing, very crisp, uh, enjoyable. No, it's, it's it's almost like a summer day beer, but it has enough heft to it that it can kind of go all year. Yeah, I'm a fan. And that's the whole thing about, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this when we talk to the guys from Almanac. They, especially in this area, they're pretty much known as a sour brewery. They do so much more than just sour stuff, yeah. but they have their sour line, or especially their farm-to-barrel sour, sour stuff. It's so dialed in perfect. It's just um, absolutely delish. Yeah, there, there's so much to it. And that's what the one thing that they've built a name on, I guess, that you've seen out there more is the sour, but they do have, and we have some of the other ones we're going to be having later on the show that are outside of that realm, but they, they have built up such a following. They put out these farm-to-table beers so readily, and it's kind of they use different base styles and everything, but but a lot of it's similar in the base beer, and then they keep adding different flavor profiles to it to just kind of experiment, which has got to be a fun thing to do. And that's the one thing that's cool when you're getting into doing a lot of these barrel-aged beers and stuff. Like, it, it completely gives you an excuse to experiment, to screw around with a lot of different things. Yeah, and then, and to be that versatile with uh, from sour to one of the better stouts I had as of late was uh, we had one of their stouts over at George's house not too long ago. George doesn't and, have a clue. You're just going to run. And then, um, and then, um, and then they, did, they did a Belgian quad lately, and then we're going to have the stout today. Is that they're only, you know, five years old and have them be that versatile yeah. with the amount of stuff they do. It's just absolutely And they basically, they basically been like a gypsy brewery, too, which, I mean, that, that adds a whole other line. I mean, they haven't been going around to a lot of places. They've been, you know, have one singular home, but it's not, they don't have their own brewery. So it, it just adds a whole other level that most breweries aren't going to have to put up with this or doing this. But to be that dynamic, like, it's a tough thing. Like, you know, we've had Wicked Weed on here. We've had Rare Barrel. Um, Wicked Weed more than Rare Barrel even because Wicked Weed has two breweries, basically, because they have an all-sour brewery to keep things from getting contaminated into their regular brewery, which is one of the big things that you have to worry about when you get into this. And we've talked to everybody that does sour beers about this, is that's a big worry because that if those flavors and those bacteria get into other beers, like you start to have flavors that, you know, if you, we've all had that experience of taking a sip of a beer and thinking, oh, I didn't realize this was a sour beer, and then realizing, no, it's not supposed to be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because something happened. I mean, sometimes it just goes off, but other times cross-contamination will go on, and then all of a sudden that beer is completely ruined, and if that happens in a brew house, it is a nightmare to deal with, because you have to clean and scrub to a level that you, well, none of, none of us outside of that realm will ever be able to comprehend the amount of cleaning and scrubbing that has to go on to do all those things, because if we cleaned our house to that level, we'd be living in a white, sterile environment. Well, no, I think we'd be on uh, show intervention, maybe. For- <laughs> <laughs> what was that one show that they used to, I remember the one girl like ate a couch, she used to eat a couch. Yeah, I know, you're, I, I forget can't the think name of that weird, the, the one girl was eating radial tire pieces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. We'd be on a combination of yeah. hoarders, that, and yeah. intervention. <laughs> so but, what you're saying we'd be on TV and be yeah, well, yeah. famous. We, we, no, I don't, I don't know if famous is the word. <laughs> infamous. <laughs> yeah, infamous, and then people driving by pointing and going, eh, and then, yeah. All right, so on that note, we'll, we'll take a break, and uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by Chris Matheson from Almanac Beer Company, dive a little bit more into some of these beers and get a little behind-the-scenes the scoop on what's going on at the brewery. So stay tuned here in WLK at the Beer Geeks. We'll be right Sample back. comes with a 90-day order. Co-pays and deductibles may apply. If you or someone you care for are using painful urinary catheters, Medical Direct Club can help. There's a new catheter that hurts less, and you can get a free sample with free shipping by calling now. Pain and urinary tract infections can be avoided if you're using urinary catheters. The new disposable catheters from Medical Direct Club hurt less due to an incredible new design that reduces pain by gliding easily and effortlessly. Old catheters can scrape and cut, causing pain and infection. These new catheters from Medical Direct Club are changing the lives of people who use urinary catheters. Medicare and your insurance will pay for up to 200 of these new catheters per month at little or no cost to you. Medical Direct Club handles all of the paperwork with your doctor and includes lifetime free shipping when you join. Membership and a free sample are free, so call Medical Direct Club now, 1-800-600-3037. That's 1-800-600-3037. End painful caffeine today. Call 1-800-600-3037. Few things matter more than convenience, especially for seniors. Looking for easier living with all the convenience of downtown? Here are two opportunities for you. 
Designed for seniors and the disabled, you'll be happy to call home one of these living spaces close to shopping, restaurants, social activity, and places of worship. Washington Square Apartments is a high-rise in the heart of Wilkes-Barre at 163 South Washington Street. It offers reduced rent and cable TV costs with all utilities included. The Courtright Cottages on Courtright Street offers two-bedroom, two-bath apartments for rent to seniors 62 and over. This is Wilkes-Barre's newest neighborhood. All units are carpeted and offer free parking in a one-car garage. Find out more about this equal opportunity housing today. Downtown Living at 823-0127. Make it a healthy new year and visit SkyZone for Sky Fitness. It's an excellent way for the whole family to get healthy while having a whole lot of fun. You can jump in the Foam Zone, Sky Slam, play Ultimate Dodgeball, or even try Sky Robics. And every Friday afternoon from noon to 4, kids 5 and under can jump for one hour for only $8. So get to SkyZone Indoor Trampoline Park, Keystone Ave, Pittston. Located off Interstate 81 in Pittston Township. Visit them online at skyzone.com forward slash Scranton. Oh, good song to come back to. Well done, Donnelly. Well done. <laughs> so we are back here on WILK with the Beer Geeks. And joining us on the phone lines right now from good old California, which means he's calling at an earlier hour, but not not too bad. I don't feel as bad as when we used to have him at 10 a.m. and it was 7 their time. But we're going to be talking now. We have on the phone with us Chris Matheson from Almanac Beer Company. Chris, how are you doing today, bud? Chris? Yeah, can you hear me all right? Oh, there we go. There you are. We're good. There you go. All right, wonderful. All right, great. How you doing yeah, this morning, bud? Already, uh, already cracking into some of the beers over there. Oh, of course we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. It's a little early for me. A little early for me to be drinking along with you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. It's Twelve o'clock somewhere. And that's here. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into a little bit of this now. When did Almanac Beer Company? When did you guys first open your doors? Um. Yeah. So the the company actually started in 2010, but the first beer didn't come out until 2011. Um, it was actually a barrel aged Belgian ale with apricot or uh, blackberries. So, uh, you know, kind of launched full time in 2012, though, with uh, some year round beers. And then um, Farmers Reserve 1 and 2 came up, out about exactly three years ago uh, for SF Beer Week. So, uh, three years of sour releases now. So, you kind of have like three different markers of when you consider the brewery starting for you guys then? Yeah, the first year was really just Jesse and Damien, kind of a. Uh, nights and weekends part-time thing and then it launched full-time in 2012 though okay. um and that's when i came on board for the release of kind of the first uh, year-round beers so now, where, where did the whole background for everybody where, where is the background for them as they got into this um yeah jesse and damien actually met in homebrew club and kind of wanted to collaborate on something and they and they came up with a a, a brewery where uh, damien was doing a graphic design firm before so he's kind of handling a lot of the design thing and uh, especially early on, designing all the bottles. Um, so that was kind of a, they always wanted to collaborate on something, didn't know if it was going to be a bar, a homebrew store, or, uh, you know, finally settled on a brewery for that. So when they came together to do this, like, what was, you know, putting together, it's always interesting to see where the name comes from. What was the inspiration to have it as Almanac? Yeah, their, uh, their original name was actually going to be Old Oak. And uh, come to find out that was taken by, like, a Jamaican rum company. So um, <laughs> They always are. And I, yeah. So I think it ended up being a little, uh, you know, turned out for the better, uh, the name Almanac. So, um, you know, it's kind of reference to Farmer's Almanac. And then, you know, what we're doing with the fruiting the beer is kind of a record, record keeping of the seasons. And we like to think of it as, you know, preserving the harvest and uh, keeping track of, of what fruits were good in Northern California in any given year. So, you know, if it's, if it's a, a bad year or a drought, we might have more or less of certain fruits or we might not be able to make, a, you know, a beer every year. And now any so, interest ever reaching out to uh, Old Oak for some rum barrels, maybe kind of like do some old nostalgia type stuff? Oh, uh, yeah, that, w- that, w- that could be cool. Yeah, I'm not a huge um, rum barrel age <laughs> fan, but um, possibly. <laughs> so, uh, now, getting that, into this, I mean, like you're saying about like 
the the fresh local markets and everything. That's an interesting take on it, especially when you guys were doing like, what was the inspiration for them behind wanting to do that? I mean, were they foodies to begin with getting into all this or? Uh, yeah, very much foodies and kind of seeing what's going on with the local restaurant scene that everyone's uh, farm to table restaurants are putting the name of the farm right on their menu where no one was really doing that in beer. You know, people were making flavored beers, but maybe just with extracts or purees, but not necessarily local. So kind of seeing uh, an opportunity there of, you know, how come we're home brewing, we're all home brewing with, uh, you know, local, local farmers market ingredients. How come no one's doing that on a bigger scale? Now, when they first started, was there any, like, teaming up with some local restaurants that were doing this? Did they, had, did they collaborate on beer dinners with them or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, initially, that's what um, Jesse was a food blog, uh, beer blogger, and he did uh, his own beer dinners that he kind of put together, like curate a list from different breweries and stuff. So that was even the the beer dinner thing was kind of even before Almanac's time, um, but everything was very you know uh, beer dinner focused and food focused back then for sure, and and still is. You know, we do um, a lot of beer dinners. We've got some really cool ones coming up for SF Beer Week starts uh, next Friday, so we've got a lot of cool stuff coming. So when, when when the doors first opened, like what were kind of the initial beers that were putting out from the brewery? Um, very first was all just uh, kind of one-off seasonal. So it was just kind of season to season. Uh, brew a beer uh, with with some uh, with some ingredients that are that are in, and then sell that beer, and then brew another beer. So there was a uh, wit with orange with oranges. There was a fennel beer, like a beer to Mars with fennel. Mm-hmm. That was kind of interesting, kind yeah. of polarizing. Um, and then the first two year-round beers, there was a, a honey saison and a pale ale with mandarins, uh, kind of dry hop pale with mandarins, wow. um, which I guess was ahead of its time because now you've got grapefruit open <laughs> taking over the world. Yeah, <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> so the one thing you guys have really built a, a name on is has been the sour thing. Like, was that? something they initially wanted to get into or is it like an experiment and then eventually got into other things how does that line up with like the history of the brewery kind of both of those things initially it was going to be all barrel aged but then that's not really uh feasible you know the first beer was barrel aged but then you know to wait another year to put out another one so uh but yeah even from the very start they've been putting beer into barrels just as an experiment really at first but you know every batch let's take um, half of it and put it into barrels and, uh, you know, kind of went from there. And then what ended up happening is, you know, we put out Farmer's Reserve 1, 2, 3, and 4, and that quickly became kind of the most interesting part of the brewery um, for us and for consumers and retailers. Uh, we're really into it, so we kind of decided to pivot on that success and, uh, you know, go all in on the barrel aging um, and kind of make that the main focus of the brewery as well. So, um, you know, kind of both those things started as yeah. an experiment and then turned into the main focus. Well, as long as you're willing to ride the wave, it all works out usually with that stuff. So with, with, with doing that, like how do like the recipe ideas and, and like inspirations for these ideas like come about? Cause it, it, you know, having to do it kind of at the whims of the, the harvest season, it seems like, I mean, how does that work with when you guys are, are planning the year and all that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, it does make it tough to do kind of a release calendar and planning for sure. That's the that's the hardest part about my job right now is is forecasting that, and you know depending on how much fruit we can get and how good it is. So we are a little bit at the whim to um, uh, you know the harvest the farmers mm-hmm. and they can get us. So, um, but you know we have some farms we really that that we've partnered well with, and you know that really do a good job of taking care of us. And then, you know, now with the new, with some of this new stuff, like the hoppy sours, um, we're not quite as dependent on that. Yeah. You know, that, that's more hop contract stuff, hop farms. But um, Was that yeah, kind we, of an intentional, like, as you guys are moving into this, because you're starting to really put a lot of those out, was that a thought behind it of that was one of the reasons that led to doing more hoppy sours? No, that like, those are kind of, for one, just a style that we really like. You know, we saw what people were doing. Um, with some of our favorite breweries we're doing with hops, you know, Cricket's Dave, Prairie, New Belgium. And so we'd always wanted to do one. And then, you know, we just have a lot of uh, barrels that we want to uh, liberate. 
So, um, and then it, it's all, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of an experiment too, just to see how, you know, the hops express themselves with the Brett mm-hmm. in a sour beer versus just a traditional, you know, single hop IPA. Uh, we're finding the flavors are a lot different than what we would think Simcoe, when we think of Simcoe or when we think of, uh, you know, Citra, Mosaic, it's a little different. So, you know, we want to start doing stuff with hops and fruit. So there's a little bit of like a, well, if this beer tastes like lime, then if this hop tastes like lime, then we should make a beer with lime and Simcoe or something. So um, that's the idea behind that, really. Now, one of the other things interesting with with how you guys have uh, built this brewery up is like you don't have a traditional brewery as most. Like you're kind of, you know, a gypsy brewery, but I don't like to use that because that to me that sounds like you're jumping around everywhere else and you guys kind of have somewhat of a home base but what are some of the challenges you have had like as you're trying to grow this business with that uh, i mean luckily hermitage has uh, been a good partner for us kind of allowing us to uh, helping us expand they put in a new brew house system and you know we went from from being a small part of their business to kind of the represent the majority of the brew uh, beer brewed there and then, you know, where now we've kind of got a little bit more permanent roots with, with full-time employees and and a big barrel warehouse right next door. But, um, you know, it's a little di- – uh, there's always going to be challenges when it's not your brewery. And uh, so, you know, production schedule is kind of tough because we don't, we don't set that. So we don't always get to, you know, do things on our, on our time frame um, how we want it. But yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of interesting how it's kind of gr- the analogy I use is we used to like couch we used to be couch surfing, uh, then we moved into the couch and and then you know at this point we've kind of expanded a whole another wing on and now that's bigger than the original house. You built a so. blanket for it in the living room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that's interesting too that you guys are doing because like you're you're somewhat limited with that with the brewing that it's not your own. You're, you're somewhat at the whim of harvest, but you're still able. Like, how often are you putting new beers out in this farm to table series? Oh yeah. So we'd been doing a uh, one beer, one sour release every month, um, for a while now. And then we actually upped it to two releases at the end of last year. So one of them kind of being the fruited one and the second one being like a hoppy sour or, uh, the other one we started was a, uh, the series. So we're doing some kind of more, uh, bread focused beers. Okay. as well so yeah two we started doing two a month now and can kind of look forward to that for the rest of the year wow that's uh that's an impressive feat and we, we look at everything else that you're stacked up against to do that to kind of keep cranking that out um yeah it, it definitely is i mean that, i think that's the biggest challenge on one of the biggest challenges on my job is to kind of organize everything make sure we have the right amount of beer released and <laughs> and you know have enough for our current markets and and uh you know, but also aren't oversaturating the market. So. I don't. I don't want to look back too much. But the one beer I wanted to ask about because we had it on the show and it was a runaway success to everybody, and we heard back from everybody that they loved it as well. But you guys didn't do it this year. Was the heirloom pumpkin barley wine? What, what was kind of the reason yeah. they not doing that one this year? I will probably bring it back sometime in the future. We're kind of holding. We're actually holding off on doing barrel aged non sour beers right now. So kind of until we have a. A kind of separate barrel aging facility for you know. I'd love to get more into some bourbon barrel stouts and you know a, a bunch of different barrels, but we're holding off on doing anything that's that's not sour. So we did we just did the sour pumpkin this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I really like that that heirloom pumpkin is was, was a great one, and uh, that that first year it came out was definitely one of my probably my top pumpkin beer I've ever had. Yeah. Still. Now with with sticking with just sour beers in a barrel, like it, you guys do pretty much everything in a barrel. How much of that is like how much barrels do you retain? How many are actual new barrels? And is that part of the thought process? Like you have so many barrels that you're constantly using that you just don't have room for anything else right now, or is it just more just? Oh yeah. Just, go ahead. Oh yeah. So that's that's a great question. We do have lots of barrels, and we we rotate through barrels too. So. For for each release, it's kind of nice to have a blend of old barrels and new barrels. You kind of get, you know, tend to get a little bit more sourness out of barrels you've used already. 
for sour beer, and then with the with the new barrels, you're getting a lot more oak character, a lot of vanilla as well. So it's kind of nice to um, to be able to blend those together. So um, yeah, we're kind of we're we're um, bringing in a lot of new barrels, getting getting rid of a lot of old barrels, kind of at, at all times. So I think we. We had around 1,800 barrels at one point. I think now we've shaved it down a little bit to around uh, 1,400 or 1,200. Wow. What, so. What's more What's more frustrating, brokering hops or barrels? Um, we've actually been pretty lucky with barrels now because we're in we're we're down here really close to wine country, uh, and yeah. we have some good connections. So we're going direct now. So yeah, the the barrel brokers are are tough to deal with for sure. Um, <laughs> so the uh, yeah, it's just nice to be able to go direct now. So, um, you know, there's always wineries. They'll get a bread infection, and or they'll get some bread barrels, and they just want to get them out yeah. that day. So, <laughs> oh, you'll um, take them. Oh, oh, we'll take yeah. those off your hands. Yeah, Give we'll, those to me, please. We'll take them all. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's the current distribution for you guys? Where can people find your beers? Um, yeah, so we're in, I think, 12 states now total. Wow. So um, we just launched, um, you know, Philadelphia area out your guys' way earlier this year that was a lot of fun that, that was definitely uh, my favorite market visit of the year we know how to do it and uh we've got plans to launch about uh like six or seven more states this year wow. um so what, what we kind of look for is where there's an overlap between uh you know sophisticated beer markets consumers that like sour beer especially and then you know good distributor partners for us to work with that really know how to you know, understand our product, know how to sell craft beer. Mm. So now, what are some of the other future plans you guys have going on at the brewery? Um, yeah, I mean, one main thing is we'll have a uh, a tap room open, you know, hopefully by the end of 2016. Wow. Um, so we're going to have a have our own tap room space in San Francisco, awesome. and then you know, eventually we want to have our own production facility as well. But you know, that's that's looking more like into 2017 and beyond. Now, as you get into, we're going to get into some of these beers now. We have in our glass the, the Hoppy Sour Mandarina. Now, when when they're putting this together, is it kind of the same look as, you know, you treat it almost like the hops like a fruit then as you're doing this from what I'm gathering? Is that kind of how they look at it when you're you're deciding what hops to use in the beer? Um, yeah. I mean, for, for that one, I guess the blend is a little bit more of, a, um, you know, about the beer, I would say, and then it just gets... It gets hopped after, um, you know, a- after. So that's a blend. Uh, we take, like, our base sour blonde, just unfruited sour blonde. That, that's a lot of the base beer for, like, the Farmer's Reserve series and stuff. And then we blend in some, uh, some like, fooder Brett beer as well. Um, so, so a little bit younger uh, fooder beer. And then, uh, you know, blend, blend those together, probably about 50-50. And then, and then just add the hops on at the end. So, um, that one's you know definitely one of the one of the easier beers to blend. Yeah, for sure. But you know, you kind of never know what you're going to get out of some of these hops. Um, you know, a lot of definitely a lot of citrusy flavors. I I tend, especially on that one, to get a lot of peach uh, off of the mandarina. Yeah, it definitely seems like it would be a challenge to to be able to get the hops to shine through in a sour beer because especially they're notorious for you know not being able to be controlled. Like you don't really know what they're going to do until they're they're done doing whatever it is. It seems like that would be a challenge to try to hone that in to get what you want out of that hop to shine through without over hopping it and then possibly ruining it. Yeah, yeah. So our our uh, barrel master he's getting he's getting a lot better at it I think than our um, you know from when the series first started and so that's why we kind of i still think citra was the best one so we can't wait to make citra again yeah but uh we'll have a mosaic coming out later this month um azaka next month and we'll probably get into um a few other the of the trendier sexier hops (laughs) uh amarillo and uh galaxy equinox stuff like that now when you're doing stuff like that uh, when you're doing like with the brett blending are you using like a base Brett, are you going with like a Brett C, something with more like fruity and citrus and stuff like that, or is it just your base, Brett? Brett, uh, Brett C, yeah, I think it's actually a blend of a few different Brett strains. Like, there's one, there's that one, uh, th- they call it the Dirty Dozen. It's like the yeah. twelve different Brett strains together. Um, there's definitely some Brett C in there too. So, um, I think it's actually, it, it's actually 
a couple different bread beers as well. Nice. Well, we're definitely looking forward to trying all those. And thank you so much for taking the time to give us a call, Chris. And we have some more beers we'll dive into after we take our break and everything. But thank you so much for giving us the uh, chat today and going through all stuff with the brew. And you guys are doing some really awesome things. And uh, we're very happy to be able to try a lot of these. Hey, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having me on. And this is a lot of fun. Yeah, enjoy the rest of those beers, especially that uh, that Barbary Coast should treat you guys well this morning. Oh, looking forward to that one. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Have a great rest of your weekend, brother. Right. Enjoy All your right, Sunday. Cheers, cheers. Thanks. Uh, another great brewery doing some awesome things. And we have now, you're, you're going to have to bear with me with this giveaway because I'm an idiot and they left some of the stuff in my office. So you're gonna well, figure, yeah. You win this, you're going to have to pick it up next week. But uh, you, we have a nice giveaway from, from Almanac. You're going to get some bottle openers, coasters, some awesome stickers for your fridge, all that fun stuff that you want to have when you're a big beer geek and have all you know, the correct sp- word, The correct use of the word swag. Yes. Yes. There you go. <laughs> the correct usage. <laughs> but uh, we'll do caller number three. You call in. You're going to get some awesome stuff from Almanac Beer Company. And again, pick it up next week. I'm sorry for screwing with your schedule, but it's free stuff. So don't be a jerk. <laughs> All right. Call, the number to call, 570-883-0098. 570-883-0098. Caller number three will get some really cool stuff from an awesome brewery. And we'll be back here on the Beer Geeks after the break. Built for business. Comcast Business is offering 25 megabits per second internet from $69.95 a month. That means if you're still using slow DSL from the phone company, you have a decision to make. Do you switch to Comcast Business and get more speed for faster downloads or stick with slow DSL and watch your business stutter from slow speeds? Do you get internet that stays fast when other people are online or keep using slow DSL and have your employees struggle with lag time? The choice is yours. Switch to Comcast Business and get 25 megabits per second of fast, reliable internet from just $69.95 a month or stick with slow DSL and get slower speeds and more downtime at work. Make the smarter choice. Ditch slow DSL and switch today. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends 331.16. Restrictions apply. To your contract and subscription to Comcast Business Voice and Business TV required. Equipment, taxes, and fees extra. Are you paying attention to crime rates across our nation? They're not going down. So protect your family with Simply Safe. It's the home security I trust. This is fantastic, reliable protection. 24-7 professional monitoring. That's only $14.99 a month. Other companies charge three times as much. And there are no long-term contracts. Visit simplysafeusa.com right now and you'll get 10% off. That's simplysafeusa.com. The statements and views of this advertiser do not represent the views or opinions of this station. 21 signs of doomsday. Science says eat butter. God said, man said, dot com. Noah's Ark, fact or fiction. Geologists confirm crucifixion. God said, man said, dot com. Science studies speaking in tongues. Hours of text and audio. Doctors shocked what they found in female brains. St. Peter's fish. Extraterrestrials. God said, man said, dot com. Salvation. Consideration. great up-and-coming brewery and uh, I just love to see that like happening with these these breweries especially you know hearing that story of like getting into this and, and not even still now not having a proper facility that you know they just wake up and go into like they, they have a separate area and they're still able to get into this many states and then by the end of the year to be almost at 20 states yeah and, and not even have that set up yet and like they're they're going to they're eventually get into that that's a, that's the plan which is the plan for everybody but they're doing it the right way because I'm sure this is cutting costs a lot for them especially with doing what they're doing and holding on as many barrels to be that barrel aged focus I mean you know we've had rare barrel on and talking about those kind of things that you're you're faced with as you're doing that and then having other beers that they do here as well with Almanac is, is 
whole different line of things. Yeah, the whole nomadic gypsy, whatever brewer thing. Um, and almost because there's a lot of facilities that are open strictly to just inhabit at, like two roads. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I forget the name of the place that he mentioned that are just there just so they can handle kind of that kind of, you know, contract gypsy brewing, which is what I assume they probably do at this time. They're not bouncing around it everywhere. They're just doing what they need to do where they need to do it. Yeah. It's just, it's just it, it, they can produce what they need to produce based on demand. And Almanac has just been getting exponentially more popular over the past, like, I what, two years? It's just been bigger and bigger and yeah. bigger. So. And that was when they, they first got on my radar about two years ago. And, um, you know, we had a couple of things on there and we've had some stuff on the show over the time from them. Like we had their pumpkin sour on this year on our pumpkin show. And last year they said we had their barley wine, which was fantastic. And I cannot wait for that one to come back out again because that'll be a good time. But uh, they've been really killing it from from the get go. And like it's what's really caught on. I think what's helping them a lot, too, is the crossover in those worlds of being a foodie and being really in the craft beer. Like they, they go hand in hand and have on the have a whole farm to barrel Series like that's what it's called, which is like a huge ethos for everybody. Like that that farm to table thing, that that look at it, it is just like a huge uh, push for a lot of people, and it really showcases like where things are coming from. And they're very into that, like wanting people to know the farms that everything comes from, which is an awesome thing. So we have in our glass now uh, their IPA. This is just a standard Almanac IPA. This is available year round from them. Just a West Coast style IPA. They're from the San Francisco, California area. Um, but just like a lot of pine, some citrus coming through. Just like a really a balanced IPA, which I mean, you know, they have, they're, they're considered their fresh beer series. They have within that their Agoza, an IPA, and a Saison, which is like, that's all you really need to get going with all this yep. stuff, which is an awesome thing to have that and then have all these other things. Like, they really have honed in doing what they want to do and going for those key styles and, and, like, just doing them well. Like, that's the important thing. It's not just to have this litany of a beer list. It's anybody could do that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. They, like you said, they have their base beers that are like, okay, have at it. And then they have that kind of next level up series, which is uh, the beer we'll probably be finishing with, which yeah. they had a couple beers within that series. And then they have their farm to barrel stuff which is just they're kind of rotating, okay, here's where you're going to see a lot of differentiation within a kind of, you know, most of them are sours, but some of them aren't, and then they have their crazy, you know, hard-to-get, you-won't-find-a-one-off stuff. So, you know, they cover all aspects. And it's nice within this IPA because you you would almost think because of what they're doing, it's just going to be super fruity or whatever because they, they really focus on But this has, like, a really West Coast pine bite to it. It's, yeah, it's, not it, nearly as dry as like yeah. some of the other big boys, but enough to kind of let you know it's from the West. Yeah. But there's enough kind of fruit there to kind of let you balance it out a little yeah. bit and uh, make it crushable. There, there's definitely some like tangerine type stuff. It, it's more in the citrus area, but it's not uh, a citrus IPA bomb or anything like that. There's enough going on in there of kind of making it a hop bouquet. Ooh. Um, there's another nickel. But, <laughs> fancy, <yeah. laughs> I'm making money left and right today with these fancy words. Um, but they, they have enough going on that it's just like a really nice balance. And it's not a super bone dry finish, but it definitely, if, if you had this side by side, like you'd say this is a West Coast IPA. Yeah. This this comes across as a West Coast IPA and seven and a half percent. So it's still easy drinking as well. Like you, you don't really notice it being seven and a half percent. Nope, crushing it. Yeah, definitely. It's like um, it's just clean, crisp, and that's the thing. Like all their beers are super. The it's the farm to table thing. It's it, it's a lot. It's very fresh, very crisp. Everything yeah. about it. There's no kind of like it's not heavy or weighted down in any form or fashion. Even the stouts I've had from or the barley wines. Or fresh and bright. There's not that super density to it to kind of drag you down, which is totally West Coast, totally yeah. San Francisco. And that's what you want to have out of these. And to have this, it's a really cool approach is the way that they're doing this, to have all these different styles going on. Because, you know, we've had them on here before, IPAs that are very, you know, malty and malt bombs with a bunch of hops thrown in behind. Like, this is very focused on clean, easy drinking, which is what, so far from everything we've had, is a huge focus on that. And right now... Ooh, letting off some steam there. Yeah, right. Um, right now we have in our glass. This is as as uh, Chris was saying. They're getting into a new series, which is the the Brettville. This is their Peach de Brettville. So this is a, a little bit of a different. Uh, ooh, I don't know what that face was for Matt. Oh no, that's 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 <laughs> a lot of Brett, is what that is. Oh yeah, that comes through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's if you're not familiar with the the, the Brett taste is is sour, but it's not. Um, 
it's not as sour as you think of when a sour beer, like a Brett impacts like a more subtle. And if it goes off, I'll give you this thing. If a Brett, if you have a Brett beer that goes off, that's the one you're tasting band-aids in. Well, it and also depends on the strain of Brett. There's yeah. Brett's very, like, there's not just Brett Brett. There's all different strains of Brett. There's pretty much three of them. There's, like, you know, smoky kind of cherry one. There's one that's more funky, your typical A, typical sweaty, barnyardy kind of thing. And then you have your citrus one. This, to me, is just, it's just so earthy. It's almost like it's like graininess to it, and, yeah. and um, but you yeah, added peach there, and peach is you know can be a little bit yeah brightens it up yeah it's just, it, it's a good beer it's very um to me this is one that would be perfect for like letting sit let that Brett kind of like yeah see where work, this goes do its thing kind of open up and then just let it yeah and that, out. that's the one thing too it's cool with with doing Brett is that's something you put in beer that will basically make that beer age. For a long, long period of time, I mean, you can have Brett beers that go up to 20, 30 years and just see where that goes. And, and, and those flavors will continue to work because it has a longer lifespan than standard yeast does. Yeah. And sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, with this beer, what's interesting is this is actually their Saison beer with uh, 12 different strains of Brett yeah. put into it. That's the base <laughs> of this beer. And then peach throw on top of it after it's been aged in wine barrels. Yeah, it'd be super fun to see where this goes. Just because Brett, Brett's like a, what is it, cryogenic machine. It just, it slows yeah. everything down and it takes forever. It'll gobble up oxygen and take away like all the negatives over time. So you can let stuff kind of just go forever. So to see with the wine barrel and the peaches in this, just kind of see where this would go. I could actually see this becoming decently sour over time. Yeah. But, um... It'd be really cool to see where this one tracks. But it's, it's nice having the peach because it gives it this juicy quality that that gives it uh, a balance. Because Brett on its own is is very very drying. Like it's one of those things you take a sip and you feel the moisture just get sucked out of your mouth when you have something that's like heavy in the Brett. But having that peach gives it this like juicy quality, like you're biting into, and then you follow it up with that, which gives it this nice yin and yang play, I guess, if you will. Yeah, you, you, if you've ever had peaches before. You'll have ones that, like, um, even though they're ripened and soft, they have a bit of sourness to them. They're not yeah. super sweet. Yeah. It's kind of like those blueberries that some are really sour and some are really sweet. Yeah. It's kind of like that vibe. This is that kind of soured peach vibe in a good way. It still has sweetness, but it has enough sourness to kind of, like, counterbalance everything to make it kind of unique and very fun. And it's interesting with this, too, like, with what they're saying, like, they're at the mercy of of the crops that they get, like how good the quality is of the fruit and, and things like that. And that's going to vary. Like that does have an effect on it. Like each crop is going to have subtle taste differentiations, but like to have that to be what you're you're focused on, like it makes it more of an adventure every time you're putting these beers together. And it's got to be like he was saying, like I can't imagine trying to lay out what you're doing for the year because you, you could have the best laid plans and then yeah. all of a sudden like whatever, especially in California where fires just pop up for someone looking at something weird. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> so it's like, you, you don't really know where things are going to go as that happens. Yeah, it's just, uh, I can't stop thinking that comment now. It's going to make me laugh. But um, the um, but that's the thing. Like, it's a beer is coming, especially at the farm to table. Basically, what farm to table is in beer is what terroir is in wine. Yeah. Basically, it's just a different word so instead of just robbing it from the wine world. And then that's what you're doing is basically taking what's available to you and then making beer out of it. And it's really cool because it's really... It, 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 wine is is just as good as the place that it's made. So beer is going to be much the same in that you, you know if you don't have well made, well cultivated, well the area your your crops are coming from aren't isn't suited for what's being grown there, then you kind of poop out of luck when it comes yeah. to making really top notch beers because you need good ingredients to make good beer. So they uh, they're in San Francisco. Obviously, they're getting. Yeah, they're getting fresh they're getting good yields and what they want, so they know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean that that's one of the things that you know when you put yourself at the mercy of whatever is happening out in the world like that, it, it, it changes things. Like we saw that years ago when there was a hop shortage and all these breweries had like that's a similar thing when you're, you're basically putting all your beers at, at you know, and I don't want to say in trouble, but like at the whim of what's going to happen with the crops, like that, that does have an effect on it. I can imagine like there's always in the back of your head having that, which has got to play with you a little bit, but you know, they're in an area. I mean, it's not like if they're trying to do that here, holy crap, I don't even want, that, yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> and honestly, you have to almost give your, you know, a little tip of the cap because uh, predominantly Almanac's pricing has stay, stayed pretty yeah. decently priced over the past couple of years that we've had exposure to them. And 
produce and everything has blown up in, in San Francisco with the floods and all that, or not floods, the the, um, the drought. Mm-hmm. So for them to kind of, <laughs> their floods, one in floods the drought, whatever. Drought. Well, it's flooding now. It's just drought earlier. But to, you know what I mean? To keep that price point, to keep turning out good beer and to keep the price point the way it is with not, I'm sure all the things they've bought has doubled and tripled in price. Yeah. Kudos to those guys. All right, so we have in our glass the final beer from them. This is their Barbary Coast. Now, th- this is in a different series. Now, they, they have, like we said, the Farmed Barrel. They have their fresh, and this is their fresh beer limited series that they do. This is an imperial stout that is aged with cocoa nibs, chili pepper, some oak, and sea salt thrown in. So, I mean, th- this just has, like, and it's a 10% ABV, but it drinks, like, Really light, actually. Like it, it comes across like it, you don't get that hint of it being a ten percent beer, and like the the chili peppers come through with just like a little hint of spice. It's not overwhelming at all, which is what you want because I mean we've all had super spicy beers, and I don't understand the point of doing them unless <laughs> it, it just it doesn't to me seem like something pleasing that you want to just drink all the time. It's more of one of those challenge beers you just like to give to someone and watch their faces and take a sip of it. But this just has like a real nice subtle heat quality that after you swallow, like you start to feel that on like the back of your tongue, like a little bit of that chili pepper comes through is how this one kind of works. It's not even really up front and center when you take a sip of it, but you get more of the chocolate right up front and center. And if I'm just thinking of like if they had this and they they were throwing this in like a bourbon barrel, this would be Incredible because there's some vanilla in there and it would just really shine through. It's it's great. I'm not trying to say like I'm just saying even better, which is what I always want to have. <laughs> I would love this in some old co- old oak uh, rum barrels. To be perfectly honest with you, <laughs> but um, they have to be Jamaican, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, it's 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 creepily drinkable. Yeah, super dangerous. Ten percent drinks. It's so soft. Yeah, that's you know I mean, what I mean? it does like, not come across as ten percent at all. It, it's just like really delicate, kind of coming across, and, and the like, flavor, the flavors are there, but everything's super gentle and rounded. It's all yeah. balanced well, but it's not super impactful. It's just drinks, and it's, you know, we've all had chocolate and chili beers, but it's interesting to have the sea salt thrown in. Like that's what's an interesting take on it because you, you get a little bit of that coming through too. You get a little hint of of a, like a pinch of salt, kind of like someone put a little pinch of salt in your glass, but it's not like a goza or anything like that oh, where it's, it's like too yeah. much. It's just you get like a little hint of these things and it's nice because like, it, it, it kind of brings the chocolate I think like is that's what keeps it even smoother because that's going right with the chocolate and smoothing it out and this whole thing is just so easy drinking and this is like, you know, like I know it's an easy reach for stout and dessert, but I can't think of the, not having this like a big piece of chocolate cake. Oh, yeah. Just saying. It's, it's just like that. this is really a dessert beer. Like that you want to have desserts with this because it just has all those wonderful qualities in it. And it's just nice to see. Like to, to have this kind of range for the brewery is like a really impressive thing. That's probably the most impressive thing about it. I mean, all the beers are fantastic. But to see them make like whether it be the pumpkin barley wine, they're yeah. doing a barley wine to where this um, to stouts like this, to sours, to farmhouse ales and do it all really well, really clean. I mean, and that focus on like, you know, using locally grown like fresh harvested crops and all I mean, they, they really have this focus that's like a really interesting that we haven't seen on, on on here before with the other breweries we've had on with the way that they approach this with with doing it that way and that you know farm to barrel approach of, of doing these beers in that manner uh, it's just something we haven't seen and then to also have this ability to get into all these other beers that are just as good to get into doing an IPA to get into doing a really good saison to get into doing a really good imperial stout and still have all this you know two a week and this line <laughs> or two a month and it's in this line is like insane to me to, to think of trying to, to crank that out yeah I mean it's it's it, there's breweries out there that just make one style of beer there's breweries out there that just make one beer yeah do you know what I mean yeah. like yep. in one beer only and have a brewery like this be this versatile and get it to the east coast yeah. and get it in uh, up to 20 states in the near future yep. is is awesome it's incredible all right so that's going to do it for us this week next week we're going to have on the show we're diving back local we're going to have back on the show our good friends from breaker brewing company right here in wilkes Bear, talking to them about everything that's been going on and having some of their phenomenal beers and uh, if you want to get in touch with us you can head on over to beergeeksradio.com as a website you can find us on instagram on facebook and whatever social media you use we're on there just look for at beer geeks radio and get in touch with us. Until next week, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.